And that's going, that's going. Hey, Bruce, check this out. Brought to you by some guys on the internet. This is getting tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my ineptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people, and welcome to episode 85 of Getting Tabled with His Death Has Been Highly Exaggerated, but He's Here and He's Still Alive, The Bruce. Yes, I am here, I have a voice, and other things. I also work again. It's lovely. <laughs> and down below us, we have the main man, the only man that gets promotions here, but he's still only a major because nobody cares about Mr. Socks. That's right. Wait four more years. Then I'll be Lieutenant Colonel. That's okay. Oh, God. Then he'll be unbearable. <laughs> and above me is George the Yank. So back again as a full crew. Welcome back, Bruce. It's good to have you back. Thank you. I didn't so, sleep through this episode. So, so when you say working, are like your body is working again, or you have to go back to You're work? Physically already? working. Uh, I physically went back to work this week. Okay. You, you, so you're a contributing member of society again? Yes. Yes. I um. Uh, I, I was really really bored. <laughs> I was quite looking forward to going back to work. Actually, you didn't have any projects to work on. I mean, we got a hobby time with coming up later. Later, but I'm sure you're definitely a bit ill on your bed. Or, or was your uh, hobby? Or was your hobby being able to like you know throw your tissues into the trash? We will talk about a section of. <laughs> we'll talk about a section of my hobby that you two have clearly forgotten about. So we need to do this. Yes. Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. All Why right. Let's kick off with that game that you play, there, Bruce. The game that I play would that be something along the lines of Bushido? Oh, Legion? No, it's Star Wars Legion. No, no, they haven't released the Gungans yet. I know that. Dang it! <laughs> and, and they probably <laughs> never, and they never will. And I'm going to continue. They're never going to release Star Wars. Legion Gungan, so I'm never going to have to play. It's fine. <laughs> All right, talk about some Bushido. Well, I was just going to say, so the unboxing video of the Gungans needs to be a picture of you holding up the box, being very sad, saying, I lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that idea. All right, so this is a faction that I've known was coming for about eight months now, but we couldn't talk about it. Um, because Ben, uh, who was doing the Bushido series with me, uh, Brother Bear had been made aware of this through discussions with the GCT team. This is a faction that was based around an idea that one of the World Series tournament winners had. So, these are all fox people. Now, anybody that knows Japanese mythology will know that they hold a very special place, and... Oh my goodness, this box is amazing. Uh, my favourite is the one that's holding the serpent in its mouth because, like, that's the faction that I play. So it's just like, yes, I've killed your faction. Um, going through this, uh, my favourite one is the blind archer with its blind companion. 
Yes. Yeah. Because that is that is so so um like Japanese like mythos culture right there. Like you're you're so attuned that you you don't need all your senses. Um I don't know why you uh had to put this in the news, Bruce, because this this faction just screams to me. I think we finally have our answer for George. <laughs> I, I, I love the, the aesthetic look at this. I mean, I've loved the samurai. I've loved the shogun. I've, you know, all the all the really good traditional, like, and when I say traditional, I mean hyper-traditional models. This, yeah. because this is all purely mystic, um, and it's just, it's such a great look. Yeah. It is a really gorgeous-looking set as well. Um I'm going back through the rest of them at this stage. My favorite is probably the guy with the Darth Maul blades, like the double, the double oh, saber thing. And, and yeah. his little uh, companion with the uh, the scythe hook in his scythe. mouth. The sickle, yeah. Sickle, that's the scythe is the big one that you. Know, yeah, and the, the sickle's the little. Yeah. I, I have a feeling he'd struggle to carry a scythe. Probably. He's a mystical no. fox. He could do whatever he wants. That's true. Um, also the one that's holding up the, the banner with the, the sun and the moon on it. So these guys come from the temples. This is another one of the temples. Uh, so the, the monks that we had discussed previously, and then the evil monks that we had discussed previously, this is another one from that group of people. Uh, and they're just, uh, Inari's judgment is, it just looks amazing. It's 56 pounds. Uh, it's like, it's this currently on pre-release, so... It's currently on pre-release for Gen Con. If you're at Gen Con, you could probably buy it. I suspected it might all be gone, knowing the Bushido players. They tend to snatch up the stuff over there pretty quickly. Uh, but you can still buy it from the storefront at this stage, and it will be coming out for general release, usually two or three months afterwards. So this will quick be question. a general release. Quick question for you there, Brucey. So, since you had prior knowledge, is it, are these going to be a metal, or are these going to be resin? Uh... Don't know be- because like some of the ones they've they you know we've looked at in the past you know you can tell it's a metal model these look like resin. they're going to be they're all resin oh see that that's even more for me because it's like yeah I hate metal I don't oh we we share it we share that how do I not know this right I rant uh, about my hate of metal frequently so uh real quick uh I, I looked at it again the bard one you know where he's got the loot and then he's got like the little flute and then like two mm. recorders and stuff like that he's got the two swords together that one's great too um yeah. i don't I really think... like go ahead Sox. i really like the, the one that's like the priestess looking with the robes flowing down oh yeah and she's yeah. got the traditional like pose with the robes pose yeah. Yeah. yeah i like that one a lot I mean, there's none of them that are bad. And I like no. the fact that like, there's a couple of them that have the nine tails as well. She is one of them. Uh, that one of the actual foxes have the nine tails look as well. Yeah. I don't know if there's actually nine, but that's clearly the idea that's going on there. The one that's up in the air, kind of leaping down. Yeah. I count, I count at least seven, and that's from that one view. So if you flip it around, there might be like two more tails. more that's hiding. Yeah. Um, th- this, this looks amazing. Uh, even if you, if, if, if you're just one of those people that buys models and paints them, this needs to like move up your list. This, cause I mean, it's foxes. So, I mean, you've got so much more, um, artistic license for fur coloring. I yeah. mean, if you go back to the, the first photo, you know, you've got your traditional red and white, you've got a black one, you've got one that's kind of a, uh, I don't know how I would call it, but it's majority white with like tips. The tips are it's red. Like patchy, yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's like there's a there's so much you could do because you know it's animal fur. Animal fur, mm. you know, it ha- you could do so much more depth with it versus uh, that's skin. Yeah, uh, that's darker skin. You know, we, we did the shading, but it's skin. And I mean, hell, if you really wanted to go for it, you could paint up the nine tails one to make it look like the Pokemon if you really wanted to. I, I'm I not saying it's the Pokemon. I'm not saying that, and I know oh. that the Pokemon rips off mythology like. There's the same mythology. I, I was um, going to say from uh, Naruto. That too. I, I don't know how different they look, honestly. It, it looks like a normal fox with like nine tails. Like they didn't do anything okay. crazy. So tr- like the tradition. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a fox. It looks like a dog running cat software. I, I just realized that the the bard, uh, and I don't know if you said this earlier, but he has an ocarina. Yeah, he does yeah. have an ocarina. Yeah. So this means that he can travel back in time to his own past and become his younger self again. Is one because of his you sword? can't talk about Ocarina. With, because Ocarinas don't exist in the real world. They're only from Zelda. The sad thing is that there are people that believe that. <laughs> Wait, an Ocarina is a real thing? Yes, that's why it's there. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. So, this news is about maybe a week old now. Maybe a little bit more than that. So, the latest edition of War Machine, I think it's pretty safe to say didn't go over very well. Um, Privateer Press's Money Pit really suffered in this latest edition. Um, There's a a few reasons for this. Some of this is opinion, some of this is fact. All of the major players that were responsible for a lot of their success, well, not all, a significant amount of them left and created Atomic Mass games. That and that's the Marvel Crisis Protocol. I I, I know. (laughs) Um... And War Machine has kind of been struggling ever since. Um, Privateer Press do have a couple of things, but War War Hordes really was their their moneymaker for a long time. So they have been seriously struggling. Uh, We haven't spoken about it much. It's not exactly been a secret that they've been struggling. It's been fairly well known. Um, I mean, the player base down here is almost non-existent at this point. I mean, it does exist, but it's... There was a few things that contributed. They also stopped doing their whole press gangers thing, which was their that was their version of the TT agents. Well, TT agents is TT Combat's version of that. Um, so that didn't do, help. Do, do you know how much this game suffered? I completely. No, I have an army. I have an army of it, and I forgot it was a thing. That's how bad it suffered. Oh wow! I, I think he, I think it's safe to say that that has more to do with you than it does with the game because that's not something that could have happened just in the last two years year and a half oh okay fair enough i stand corrected like that's that's the last time i literally touched my stuff was a year and a half ago maybe fair enough i have never played warmer hordes i do i do own some of the models um my problem with warmer hordes is aesthetically most of it doesn't do much for me and that's just a personal thing i'm not hating on privateer press it's just aesthetically a lot of the models don't do much for me um and and it's not really something that i do own some stuff i bought their oh what's the horror themed one that that i got in the end where we had a lot of trouble trying to get it back in the hotel z one i don't remember it was all nursery rhymes and horror themed stuff uh, and I've got some of their ga- I've got some of their crocodiles and gators as well because it's crocodiles and gators. Anyway, there's a new edition of Warmer Hordes coming out. Oh, sorry, War Machine coming out, and this is fairly significant. This is 
a huge departure. Now, we will be linking this article for those of you that haven't read it because I'm not going to be able to go over all of this. Uh, there is a section of the rules that's currently available for free to download. This is part of a completely reimagining. Um, they've kind of they're designing this so that you can go back and play with all of your old models as well, not just the new stuff. But the big thing with MK4, the big change is that they are going to be going across into 3D printing for their models as well. So you will now have the option of buying at retail, the more expensive route for those that want to continue doing that. Alternatively, you will be able to instead buy the STL files and print them yourself. So this is the first major company that is doing what the industry has been waiting for somebody to do for, what, seven or eight years at this point? Uh, I mean, it's no secret that the technology is there now. Like, you could do that. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Privateer Press is the one to do it, honestly. I thought it would be... I mean, there's been a few small companies that's kind of like, I'm going to try and introduce a game, and that's the thing behind it. But we haven't seen one of the larger companies turn around and go, no, we're actually going to change our stance on this. So here's probably why. Given how much they've probably suffered with, you know, staff leaving, starting another successful company, successful game, and I, I would say quality, like one of the big turnoffs for, for my uh, Protector of Menoth that I have is the quality of the miniatures is is not that great uh, if, if i were to compare, if i was if i was to care, compare it to like tt combat games workshop uh i would put their stuff on par with some of the fine cast from games workshop they, they have a history of using that horrible rustic stuff too and and some of the kits are resin and metal parts combined this is a personal thing that may not be a very popular thing to say for a very long time there was a large percentage of the tabletop community that would hate on Mantic for using Restic. And don't get me wrong, I hate I hate Restic too. It's horrible stuff. But all of those same people would then turn around and go, no, but it's okay for Privateer Press because they're different, uh, where the material was exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and the problem yeah. I had with it is that Privateer Press would just advertise that it's plastic when, I mean, technically they're right, but that's not what you think of when you think of plastic. Um, and it becomes an issue um, because it's one of those things where, well, technically it's plastic, but we all know you're calling it plastic because everybody thinks it's something else. Um, so I, I will throw a little shade for that in the past. Um, Warmer Hordes is also one of those games that's extremely competitive. There is almost no casual fan base. It's all very competitive. I, um, I would put it on par with an infinity. Like it's a very, it's a very no, steep learning curve. Oh no! no yeah. Oh no! I would say infinity in, is in easier area? to get it. I would say infinity is easier on a casual front. Uh, my area, uh, other way around. All the infinity guys were super hyper competitive, and the people that did play Warmer Hordes, they were competitive, but they weren't the uber competitive. Like they weren't traveling to you know the conventions and tournaments and stuff constantly. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I've never heard an Infinity player brag about, and I'm going to use the phrase, clubbing a baby seal. Somebody that hadn't played the game before and didn't know what they were doing, so they destroyed them in a tournament and embarrassed them in front of their friends on purpose. And he was bragging you're, about it. You're going to find that in any game regardless. So, oh, I, I'm not... If somebody but, did that in... Like, 40k has a fairly... 
there's a percentage of that audience that's very toxic. It's it's a percentage no, I, of the audience. I'm not going to disagree. That's what I said. You know, like yeah. you're going to find but that. In if you every did community. if you did that at a forty if you did that at a forty k night, you would be shown the door. Like the community does not put up with that stuff because you need new people in the game. I, I'm I'm just going to say Spain and leave it at that. So yeah, I, I like it's not all of the warmer hordes players either. It's a percentage of them. Yeah, but no. there's. This is not an unusual occurrence, yeah. unfortunately. Based on playing, you know, 40k, playing Warmer Hordes, playing Infinity, I, I'm going to put Warmer Hordes in that same category as Infinity. It's it's a popular game, and oh, yeah, the very. people who who play it, it was, you know, they're going to mop the table with you if you're not on their level. And the problem is, is the people who are playing it, they're all on that level. That I've I don't have a casual. I've never seen a casual Infinity player at my FLGS. So, and I should correct myself. It wasn't a tournament. It was actually a casual night. Well, it was the it was the Warhammer, Warmer Hordes night. Um, there it wasn't a tournament that I misspoke. Um, okay. Anyway, enough of the shade. Next um, one. Wait. What? Wait, wait. I'm not ready yet. Hurry up right now. <laughs> okay. So this has started now with the announcement. Uh, on screen now, there's a an actual roadmap of how long this is going. This is going to be continuing through pretty much over the next twelve months of. Everything getting its release, um, everything happening. So, just as an example, the Mercenary Solos, which is the crocodile people that I own, uh, they will be happening at December this year. Uh, there's a whole heap of updates for all of the legacy stuff. Uh, Grimkin is the name of the one that I was trying to think of earlier, um, which is mostly still in its box. So... If you do have a specific army and you want to know when your rules for that will be coming, you'll be able to look at this. Like I said, it's all in the show notes. I, I think this is fairly significant. Uh, as much as I did throw like a little bit of shade around the game, um, like there's nothing wrong with a game being competitive, just for the record. Um, I, I think this is very interesting. Whether it's going to bring the game up to the popularity that it did have previously is yet to be seen. Um I'm not one of these people that believes that just because a successful person that wrote your rules has left, that a game can't still be popular. Warhammer, I mean, Warhammer 40k has clearly never been as popular since all of their creators left. Um, no, it, like it's I'm being facetious, obviously. I I do think this is something that could help. Whether it does is another question. Um, I just thought it was worth covering because this is again, this is very significant. But George wants to move on because he wants to talk about Moonstone stuff. Well, I figured you wanted to talk about it since you're the only one that actually has Moonstone. I do have Moonstone. All right. So as part of Gen Con weekend, Goblin King Games have opened up the coffers, which is their limited edition stuff. All of these minis are things that were available exclusively for Kickstarters in the past, uh, and they still have some left over. So they're opening them up every so often so that you can buy them. So, for example, the one I want is Diana Enraged, because she's amazing. I do have the regular Diana Mini, but I don't have the Enraged one, because I didn't back the Kickstarter. It's just a gorgeous Mini. It's just a more aggressive version of the original Mini. Uh, we also have Violet Ep Impulse, so Violent Impulse, Zariah, which is, again, gorgeous. Kalista is really nice as well. Voth was available, uh, or Voth and Homocules. So Voth is 
like a librarian and Homunculus is his assistant. He's carrying around a giant book. It looks like that one's actually sold out, unfortunately, which is a real shame because I thought that one was gorgeous. Uh, Callista is quite gorgeous as well. She's got this giant cape. She's like a druid-looking Lushvolt person. I really like this stuff. It's it's really nice. The the Angry Jackalope is another one that's... It, it, this was their Easter limited edition one. So oh, that's one that I suspect that we'll see come back. I don't think that we'll see these again once they're gone, unfortunately. Uh, I need to make an order because I want Diana Enraged. But yeah, this stuff's really nice. I want. Gimme, gimme. Any preferences from you guys? Um, The Enraged one looks pretty good. It's very... Yeah. um. It looks like it's in motion, you know, like it's, you can, you can tell that it's moving, you yeah. know, it's, it's one of those sculpts where, you know, it's a very dynamic sculpt, um, which is hard to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as opposed, as opposed to the original where, I mean, it still has movement in it, but not to the same level. Yeah. No. It, it kind of half looks like a shield around her, sort of still a gorgeous mini though. Yeah. All right. Moving on. TT Combat have a couple of new terrain things that are coming out this week. Uh, the thing I wanted to concentrate on, we have new boats. Uh, I just want to give credit first and foremost to the joke, and I don't know who, who wrote the joke, but uh, George, what's uh, Vampire's what's uh, Vampire's favourite boat? A blood vessel. I don't know who wrote that joke, but it's amazing. You get all of the credit in the world. So the Doctors have a giant paddleship because it's a giant paddleship. Why would they not have one? I mean, seriously. Uh, the Vanican have the Caravel. The Strigoi have a galley. Most of them are galleys and frigates, honestly. Uh, but they all look very, very different. Um, I really, really like the Vatican one. The, I mean, we've seen the sails before. The sails are kind of, yep, we, we've seen them before. Um, but this stuff is just really, really nice. I love that the, the Strigoi have a coffin in the middle of the ground as as decoration to the deck. The Rashar have, like, actual cages where their fish monsters are obviously hiding. Kind of reminds me of the of the Sarlacc pit in um, Jabba the Hutt's palace. Mm -hmm. I, I really like this stuff. I mean, this is it's just terrain, essentially. Uh, but it's really gorgeous terrain. Why did they put the wheel in the middle of the paddle boat? That was my, my question, too, because paddle boats are usually... Have them on the outside or on the back. It's either it's it's either on the side or out the back, not the middle. Do you know why? Because then you have a hole in the middle of your boat while it's spinning around. I think I know the answer to this question because if it was at the back, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be an object on the terrain piece. It's been put there deliberately so that it's a line of sight blocking feature. I would argue. I mean, you you're not wrong, but I suspect that the reason they've done it is because if if it was at the back, then it doesn't really become a feature that you have to move around. Whereas because of the way that they've designed it, it will help block line of sight and it will make the game more interesting. And it gives you something else to launch off because part of Carnivale is the running up and jumping off of ledges and stuff. Oh, parkour. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, that, that, that would be my guess. I mean, I obviously don't know because I haven't spoken to whoever designed this. But that would be my guess. Did they have paddle boats in the UK at any part of their history? That's probably why they did it. They don't know what one looks like. Not that I'm aware of, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I love how personal you're taking this design choice. Because it's it an American icon. Be right. <laughs> it doesn't have to be right. It's just a piece of terrain to look cool. You do know that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Louis, uh, unfortunately, George is upset and offended by your piece of terrain, and he's decided that you need to redesign the whole thing. Um, 
So, well, I guess that that's the thing. I I, I, just, I actually just want to see if I can get Lewis to spit water again. So, Louis, not Lewis, wrong one. No, Lewis. Says, no, oh, no, Lu- you're right. It was it was Lewis that. Did, yeah, sorry, never mind. I just remembered that we're talking about two different people, uh-huh. even though one of them doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, now no, no, he, Well, no, he works in the real world now, so we have to acknowledge his presence as being real. Oh, is that what it is? Uh, I think that's the idea. All right, moving on. Armada, but not that one. Sorry, Socks. I know. This is a pretty this simple is, one. This is the Armada with water, not space. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kings of War Armada, uh, they have released a whole heap of bundles. These are ones that you can only order directly from Mantic themselves. Uh, basically, it's another buy-in option. Basically, you're buying a bundle of everything. So, usually everything gets sold as a starter fleet a booster fleet, and then there's a large ship that you can buy on top of that. That is how I brought my stuff. Uh, this is just, essentially, it's just a bundle of stuff that's cheaper to buy than you would have bought separately. So, for example, the one that I will open right now, because we've seen all of this stuff before, uh, the one that I'm going to open is the Empire of Dust, because that's the one that I own almost everything of. I don't have the flyers. Whereas normally, to buy everything, it'd be $183, it's only 146 in the bundle, and you get literally everything. So you've got your starter fleet here, you've got your booster fleet, you've got your flyers, and you've got your big dreadnought-looking thing. Um, this is a really smart idea. I mean, if you're going to buy into this game, you're going to need all of the stuff anyway, because, yeah. well, otherwise you're not really experiencing the game to its fullest. Um, is it the most exciting of releases that we've ever seen? No, it's just a bundle. Uh, but I thought these were—I thought this uh, was very clever, honestly. I I personally like it when a company does bundles because they're actually making an attempt and an effort. I mean, one, they're they're trying to get people interested in the game to buy more stuff oh. so they make more money. But when you do a bundle like this, I mean. What what is that? You're saving forty bucks. Yeah. You know, instead of instead of a hundred and eighty, you're spending a hundred and forty six. Yeah. You know, that that's a significant enough amount of money. Someone might be like, "Yeah, all right, I'll do that." Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it easy because you don't have to try to figure out what to buy. You can just buy the one right. thing. Yeah. As that, opposed that to, I'm not going to mention certain other companies that do bundles, but then they don't actually put a discount and they're selling it at the same price. They just don't tell you that. Yeah, so I'm not going to mention any games workshops because they do that every week. Well, and, and I was going to say those starters. Typically, you buy those, and then you start playing some games, and you realize, well, this is junk. Why is this in this box? I need this and this and this. Yeah, that's a different argument, but yes, that is a yeah. problem as well. Yeah, that's why I think AMG did their Battle Force boxes too. That way, they can get folks into a game. They can buy a box for 120 bucks and get... Those Battle Forces are really, really tempting. They are really good value. Very, very good deal. Because the ATS, ATST by itself is about 70 bucks. Yeah. And who doesn't want an ATST? I already got two. I don't need a third. You sure? I, I mean, can't you could do with a third. I can only fill two. Well, you got to have one so the boys can use one then. Uh, no. They can use their clones or their droids. Hey, hey, you need a third one so you can break it and turn it to rubble after the Ewoks wrecked it. I got that. Of course they did. Of course they actually did that. Is that a resin? Is it resin? Yeah, it's resin, but the legs are... That's nice. There you go. No, that was not ruined by the Ewoks. It just fell over. No, the one where they hit it with the logs and it, like, crunched the top. You need to get a third one and go... And, like, that is not squished. Go back and watch Return of the Jedi, and you will see how squished. You want to go that much squished? <laughs> Anyways, 
I don't think the original one should have squished that much either, to be honest. I don't think so either. It looked like it was a balloon. Anyway, moving on. We're not here to talk about that. We don't want to talk about Stormtrooper Jelly. No, 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 not really. Games Workshop is a company that are a very big company that make a lot of money. And whilst I will have a little bit of shade to throw at them later, at the moment I'm going to give them a little bit of praise because they're doing something right now that I don't think they've ever done. So for Warcry, and Warcry is going to be why I throw shade at them, by the way, um, they're currently releasing rules for free instead of releasing a compendium book. I believe this is happening because they were struggling to get the book out in time and it was going to be too late. So they've just given the rules out and they're obviously hoping that people will go and buy the compendium later when it releases. Um, it's just the current crisis has kind of forced them into a situation where they've obviously felt they had no choice. But they've gone and released the rules for all of the other factions. Not just picking and choosing, but they've done all of the order stuff, all of the chaos stuff, all of the destruction stuff, and all of the death stuff, and all of the old factions. For free. For free. This is very anti-Games Workshop. No, I know. This is why I'm covering it, because this is something that they don't do. Free to them is like a dude from Princess Bride and Inconceivable. Yeah. Free to them is usually where we're going to release this as part of White Dwarf, which you have to pay for. Look, Look, to be fair, big companies don't have to do things for free. This is a very big deal because, like, of all companies, they don't do this stuff. Um... Now, obviously, they're doing it because they're hoping that people that didn't buy into the game the first time will now go out and buy all of these other factions so they can play the new version, which, from everything that I've heard, is is a significant improvement on a game that was already better. Uh, most people will probably tell you that Warcry is probably one of, if not the best game that they've produced in the last six years. Um, is it as popular as 40K and Age of Sigma? No. Uh, but for a rules standpoint, it actually stands above them quite significantly. So it, it holds together quite well. I think more companies need to do this. And, and when I, let, let me be a little more specific on that. Like the core basic rules, like this is the movement phase, this is the shooting phase, this, like that stuff. I think more companies just need to say, here are the rules, have them. If you'd like it in a book. That's, that's not what they've done. This is the rules specifically for the factions. Right. It's what they would normally call a compendium. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think more more companies need to just focus on just getting those rules out there for free, and then and then if they want to do the compendium stuff, you know, like this, you know, where they do it for free, sure, that's fine. Making money off books is not, you know, except for maybe the novels, because that's a completely different thing. But the the this is not the you know it's the minis, and I and I think if you get the rules out there for players to get their hands onto more easily, ex, ex, you know, more ease of you know accessibility and not have to download them from a you know, Russian torrent site, you're probably going to get more people playing because they don't have to spend forty dollars on a book. AMG, AMG can you can so the thing is with AMG when they update their rules, which they do quite often because of all the new units that come out, they have new keywords that that work with the units. But you can download all the rules for free online for yep. Star Wars Legion Armada. So I'm very impressed with this. Mainly, I would not be as impressed by this if it was anybody else. I'm impressed by this because it's Games Workshop. Yeah, no. Um, I, and we're not the I, first yeah. to cover this or make these comments. Like, f- for those of you out there that might be new to the hobby, Games Workshop is most likely the company that you get directed towards the most um, because it has the largest player base. 
I'm going to say unfortunately. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I don't hate games workshop. Don't get me wrong. I do get accused of that regularly. Uh, I got accused of that when I did my review of that awful magazine recently. Um, like seriously, don't buy Imperium. It's the the contents is garbage of the magazine. Um, and ultimately, you don't actually save any money either. I mean, it looks like you save money, but you don't. Um, anyway, but the reason I say unfortunately is because most of the Games Workshop games are kind of just, eh, compared to the rest of the industry. I mean, they're not bad, but they're not great. 40k is not a great game. It's not horrible. It's just not great. Um, it's just popular, and that's not really the same thing. Uh, it is easier to get a game off. I mean, George, of all people, you know this because nobody else plays anything else in your area. I, I, I could go get a game of 40K right now versus like a game of Sigmar. I probably couldn't get a game of Sigmar. Sigmar is and a better game. And that's the same. Yeah, Sigmar is a better game. It's the same company, but more people. It has tanks. It has gun. It goes pew, pew, pew. Yeah. And, and I completely get that. I mean, I've almost rebought in 40K how many times now? I mean, I did it last year and resold everything. I think uh, I'm slowly. I've known you. Yeah, probably. Um, Warcry is a game that's much smaller, so it means that it's easier for people to get into. The rule set is very streamlined. Um, it's never going to be a 40k. It's it's the equivalent of a kill team, really. Um, but this it's it's a game that works really well. And the reason that I say unfortunately when the player base is because. There are games out there. Star Wars is probably the only one that I would say is as infallible as 40k is. But it, it could still get to a point where the player base burns out, maybe. I doubt it, but it might. They will get to a point where you, they'll start to struggle to find well, things to release. Well, I, 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 will, I will say this about Star Wars, and Sox will probably agree with this. Probably, probably the biggest thing that will ever hurt Star Wars Legion is when the toxic portion of the fandom starts playing the game. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that'll happen though, because that that they're they're very different sort of people. Um, they are, but the one thing that that Legion has going for it right now is Disney is putting out new shows, and so a lot of yeah. the stuff that's coming out is from all these shows. Yeah. So what will eventually happen is they'll start redoing older things that were released no, a while I have ago. To agree. They're don't have look to... good. Like, like Games Workshop has done with their guardsmen. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was a joke. It was a joke. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, the the difference is, is the worst of the Star Wars Legion stuff doesn't look anywhere near as bad as the worst of the Games Workshop stuff because it's not as old. So it's not a. F uh, it's also probably worth noting, and no offense to Fantasy Flight Games, uh, a lot of their stuff doesn't look anywhere near as good as the average stuff either. Like the the the, the mini Star Wars Legion are good, they're not great. Um, there are some that are great, but I would argue that they're the exception. Um, it'll be interesting to see say, how that changes. I will say some of the new stuff that Atomic Mass Games has worked on since they've taken over, I've liked a lot. Darth more. Maul in particular really stood out to me. The new one? You talking yeah. about the new one? Because that's, yep. I haven't painted him yet, but that's... He, he looks amazing. Yeah. All right. So. Moving on. There's a new Kill Team box coming. We knew this I, already. I was going to say, didn't we already talk about these guys? Because it's crude. Yes, but we now have everything being shown. Oh. As opposed to four models. So I have mixed opinions on this box set. Um, we'll get to those later. So we've got a giant amount of terrain. This basically looks exactly what we thought it was going to be. It's a giant Space Hulk. 
but rather than it being the Blood Angels and Tyranids, it's the Imperial Navy that I do still like. Um, I mean, they're fine. They're not the faction I'm interested in. So I do love their shotguns just because shotguns are cool and I don't understand why there's not more shotguns in 40k. Like, it's not like you can't make a shotgun be stupid overpower. Um, but no, I, I really like this stuff. The, the guy with the shield where he's like literally using the shield to, to pump the gun, that's really cool. But the one that grabbed my attention, of course, because I've been screaming for it for years, uh, the crate. It's not the little skull servitor thing with the football? <laughs> no, the crate, we, we have seen four previously. We now have the entire team here. The thing I really do like about this is that it's more crit and it's something like there's a significant player base that have wanted more crit for a while. Uh, the thing I don't like about this is they're all very kind of mono pose. I'm just standing here. It, there's really no action. Feel, there's no they don't really feel like they're doing anything. Um, you got the one with the sniper rifle and you got the one shooting from the hip, but yeah, everyone else is just kind of like... Lloyd from Beast of uh, from on tabletop. Uh, his comment was something along the lines of, like the the crew are supposed to be, uh, and the reason I'm saying it was that said this is I'm giving credit. Like the crew are supposed to be these fast moving birdmen, and these guys are just standing here. And his problem with the old kit was that the old kit was basically just looked like they were, like they were just dawdling through a town. Um, like they don't look like they're running, they don't look like they're fast, they just look like they're human, but with bird feet. Um, I mean, I, I love the sculpting on these, they look gorgeous, but if you buy two or three lots of these because you want to field them all, they're all going to look this. Games Workshop are doing this a lot lately. All of their stuff is monopies, all of it now. And this is the first bit of shade I'm really going to throw. There was a point where Games Workshop had a point of difference where all of the kits were multi part and you, you could change their poses. But if you want to do that with any Games Workshop kit now, or anything that's been released over the last few years, all of it has to be done with green scope, uh, green green stuff if you want to redo I, it. So it just occurred to me, and I'm going to tell you why they're doing that, why they're making everything so monopose. Because it's actually very hard. How many people don't like the Games Workshop heads? How many people want a different type of gun? How many people want a different type of whatever? So if you That's make it monopose, you can't go to a third-party bit manufacturer and say, I'm going to get this stuff and throw it on this model. Yeah. I, 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 think, the I think the monopose like that, I think is a... a I'd say a a very intelligent because when they do that, they're able to get very good poses though too. But I think it's their attempt of trying to keep I th people. I think from... these are the, ex the the poses on these are okay. I don't think they're great. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you look at some of the uh, like you know the Blood Angels and uh, you know some of the new Primera stuff and everything, like you know some of those look pretty good. But I, I you know when, when you make it so you have to use this part or green stuff the hell out of it, yeah. are you going to yeah. go through the effort and buy the part you want from the third party seller and then green stuff it on, or are you just going to put the kit together as is and call it done? Yeah. I mean, there's still that you know I'd say that 15 to 20 percent of the community that's still going to do it regardless. But you can. I, it's just more work now than it used to be. Yeah, but but I'm saying you can't like swap a piece out. You have to like sculpt the thing off. That that's what I'm talking about. You know, like they're they're reducing it to maybe twenty percent of the community versus sixty percent of the community. I mean, there are YouTube channels that are big, and this is all they do is just they just kit bash stuff. Yeah, um, so. because it, it's like kit bashing has always been a thing, but it's more of an art now than it used to be. 
Yeah. Oh, no, that's not fair. I mean, it was always an art, but I can't just, yeah, like slap things together anymore. I, I have to actually be able to sculpt or carefully remove things so that there's not giant gaps and, yeah. Um, look, this is still a set that I'm interested in. I definitely still want the Crute. I will, I will own the Crute, but whether I buy it as this box set or later will be determined from exactly the same argument that I'm about to have with our next story. Hey, George, we get to have the price gouging discussion again. Yay! Wait, is yeah. that an Australian dollar? Oh, my God. Okay, so in America, this is a $240 box set. So Heart of Gur is genuinely a box that I wanted to buy because Warcry is a thing that I just finished ra- raving about. Um, I did not buy this. It's 140 something. I don't remember the exact price in, in pounds, but it works out to be in Australia 240 something dollars. But they're charging 390. So we threw shade at these guys for how long? For slapping an extra $80 on top of boxes for no reason? This is an extra $150. Need I also remind you? The Games Workshop for the last two quarters have had massive drops in sales in our country as well. And I credit that to customers actually starting to speak with their wallets because they're growing tired of it. Which is the reason why we didn't get the price increase. Except we did get the price increase, they just did it slyly. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Like, in one hand they turn around and said, no, it's okay Australia, we understand we're not going to give Australia the price increase because we've been doing it for too long. We understand that. And then they've just gone around and manipulated their prices to do it anyway and hope that nobody would notice. Clearly what they're doing is like rather like because people are growing tired of this and they're buying things elsewhere. They're either importing them from international. Don't get me wrong. There are people that do that. Or uh, they're just going elsewhere because... I'm sorry, but it's a giant tabletop industry. Um, and some people are growing really tired of this. I will also argue that part of this is Australia's own fault because Australia have excused Games Workshop's price gouging for so long that they kind of deserve it. Um, I'm an Australian. I'm saying this. I do think to some extent this is our own fault. Uh, and no. to those out there that want to scream at me again, for saying that it's not price gouging. It is price gouging. It's literally the definition of price gouging. They are fixing their own prices to take advantage of a, of a market, but they are literally price gouging by the dictionary definition. So I converted their 140 pound price to dollars. It's $170. They're, like you said, it's $230 for us here in the States. So they put another 60 bucks on top for us here in the States. Not that I'm going to buy it, but just more. No, 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 no that is point. a good point. I did intend to mention that as well. Um, no, it's not just us. Yeah, they, they did price gouge for you as well. Um, my thing just froze. Why did my thing freeze? So, yeah, this is... It's an argument that I know people are tired of us making as well, but they just continue to... Look, don't get me wrong. I understand a business is allowed to set their own prices. And if people don't like it, hey, they should just not buy it. Well, that's what people in Australia have been doing for six months now. And because they're doing that, they're raising the prices so that those that do buy get punished for it. That's their business decision. 
we're losing money in Australia, therefore we will charge more to increase our profits. Or, or to make it the last revenue stream. Like, I'm sorry, but this is what puts companies out of business. Games Workshop released their quarterly finances, which is how I know that they're not doing well in Australia. Well, I mean, we don't usually cover that stuff because it's kind of boring, honestly. Did you see uh, uh, I'm what? guessing it's even worse because it always is. 460 New Zealand dollars compared to what it should be about 270. So they're literally paying double. Yeah. No, not almost. literally. It's almost almost double. almost double. Have a look at Japan. I bet you that's even worse too because Japan and New Zealand had it the worst. No, New Zealand was the worst according to the research that was done last year. Like, there's a whole heap of people out there talking at the moment about how whether their current finances are a sign that Games Workshop are dead or a sign that they're doing better than they ever were. Um, and I think that entire argument is completely pointless because Games Workshop are not struggling. They are making record profits. Uh, but they're making record profits at expense of their long-term business because none of these customers will stick around. None of them. I, I don't think they threw to Japan because I'm getting a, a load error when I try and switch to Japan. That mustn't be available there then. Okay, that makes sense. So, once again... Australia and New Zealand are being treated like criminals. I was going to say crap, but sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I understand that there's people that are sick of this argument. I understand that. But until people start listening, this won't change. You're being taken advantage of. You're being financially abused by the company that you're supposed to be a giant fan of. You need to speak with your wallet. Like you're never going to. Well, we are never going to get the prices according to the Great British Pound. Like that is not. And make no mistake, they are already making stupid profits in the UK as well, and then they're charging us more on top of that already stupidly expensive. Sorry, stupidly expensive box over there. But until people continue to listen, nothing will change. That's Don't die, Bruce. That's the reason why I never got into Games Workshop. Yeah. Which is will. funny, because at that point, they were never as bad as they are now. <laughs> All right, moving on. One of the companies that legit probably have a chance to actually take on Games Workshop at this point, uh, because they do actually have a rule set that could, you know, genuinely challenge the fan base in a way that they enjoy, is Conquest. Um, it's mass battle. The minis are a little bit bigger, really nice and detailed. A lot of it's hard plastic. Um, and the, the way that the game works is not the same, but it definitely pushes some of those same buttons that the Games Workshop products do, uh, is Conquest. We've got a couple of new things coming from Conquest. I'm not covering all of them. Uh, there's this new one for the Hundred Kingdoms called the Servite, which I think is gorgeous. Um, this is a command upgrade. So this is someone that helps your leaders. So... I believe it's the noble that gets these guys and it gives him extra bonuses. There's also a drill master, which is all kinds of gorgeous. I, I think this might be, this is my second favorite of, of the three we're looking at because he's just, that is a very good looking, really game. pretty. Yeah. And then finally my actual favorite, which is for the old dominion, which is their, that th this is their new army, which is the undead Greek looking guys is the Dark Cenotaph. And it's literally a guy that's dragging a, a coffin around. And it's a stone coffin that he's dragging around. I, I love that it's been designed to go into the bases like that. 
as well. So it's got two bases, you'll notice. So that fits on the movement tray thing. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to say this right now just because it's hilarious. Because I'm hilarious. If I were to Go. play this faction, I would not use this mini. I would find okay. a copy of the guy from Holy Grail pulling the cart saying, bring out your dad for this mini. Oh, that's such a good idea. A good I love that. Um, or you I'm do that to... for a second one. Right, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think the Drill Master is the superior of the three minis. That's not. Um, Opinions are things that you're allowed to have. Well, I'm going to let you two talk for a second. Um, I, I think I think that Drill Master, I think, is, like I said, the superior mini just because it has the look of, of the, the, the grizzled leader of, like, do this nice. because if you don't do it this way, you're going to be dead. Yeah. And the reason why I'm not dead is because I do it this way. Listen to me. You know, like, I, I just... That's what I feel when I look at that that mini. And if you think you're going to prove me wrong, you won't prove you won't be proven wrong because I'll kill you before we get there. Personally, <laughs> with this pinky I'm pointing at you with. <laughs> um, the 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 cenotaph I do like though. I mean that I think that is a pretty cool idea of you know hauling around the the dead kind of thing you know and the the sarcophagus and stuff like that. I just I I think my idea. For uh, doing the Monty Python Bring Out Your Dead cart dude is is brilliant though. I actually think you could easily convert this into something like that without having to do too much. All you need, all you need is the cart. All, all you'd really need is some wheels, technically. Just throw some wheels on that, change its angle, and put, you know, put a couple sprues off of it, and just set it down actually, in its hands. Hypothetically, you could just do something that represents that and have just a whole heap of bodies lying over that coffin. Yeah, you'd you'd have to explain it then, but although you, yeah. there's going to be people you'll have to explain that joke to anyway. I, I yeah, it's, it, we're we're probably getting to the point to where there's people who are like, "What's funny Python?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the holy hand grenade, the rabbit. When it comes to this guy, I think that the thing that makes it for me is his hand behind his back as he's telling the guy off. That's what makes the drill master for me, because uh, it's just it feels so noble. Well. And, and Socks can probably probably attest to this too because you know he he got yelled at almost as badly as I did. You know they only gesticulate with one hand when they address you like that. The other hand is you know not doing anything. Yeah, because it makes it more it makes it even more effective. Yeah, we, yeah. It's, it's a giant mind game. I only need one hand to yell at you with. Usually in the form of a blade. Do, do you know why they do a knife hand like that? Same reason you know, politicians do. If you point at someone. You know, for the problem, there's three more pointing back at you. But if you knife hand, you're just the problem. Yeah. Um. All right. And that's it for the news. So we are going to talk about an indie. Indie. Definition. Independent. Type. Slang word. Jargon. George, What's would you mean? like to talk about the stronghold? Yeah. So th this showed up in my Facebook feed. And tabletopstronghold.com, super easy to find. Um, I actually did all the reading on the, the guy's website because there's not a lot to this website. Uh, there's not a lot to the oh, product. it's really, really simple. But, I, but I suspect that this is made through one of the template-type websites like what we've used. Um, the guy's in West Virginia. So to give you an idea, West Virginia is slightly more civilized than Wyoming as far as population. Slightly. Slightly. Um, but uh, it is a magnetic MDF carrying case for your miniatures. And it comes in three sizes. Mag case mini, mag case, and mag case extra large. Um, it's pretty straightforward. It's it's a box with a, a, an acrylic door that, you know, lays down. And you have trays that are magnetic that slide out that carry your army. Um, I think this is a really good idea 
um, just for the fact of it's comparable in price to some of the other cases out there, with the majority of those cases being a foam. And I'm one of those people where I do not like to use foam because I'm already handling my minis enough. I don't need to be, you know, rubbing my minis on, on foam in and, you know, as I take them in and out of the case. Yeah. So, um, and that that's just me personally. I, there's some people who are like, I don't, I don't care, you know, just what... I've seen. I literally saw some guy. He just puts his stuff in a cardboard box. Yeah, puts it in the back. I mean, that's what box. I did when I started. Right. I, I mean, won't do it anymore. So um, the price points, I think, th I think are pretty on par here. Uh, Ninety bucks for the small one, one hundred and fifty for the big one, uh, two twenty five for the the extra, extra large. large. Yeah. So um, and I don't, Bruce, if you want to uh, open up the extra large one and then go to one of the last photos, one of the last two photos where he's got all the trays pulled out. Yep. That's a lot to carry in that case. It is. So, and, and, and great, that is the extra large one. The the the, the mini one uh, could do two to three of those trays. Um, the mini yep. one can also carry a full-size knight in it as well. So it's not a small case either. Um, but I, I thought this was, for the U.S., it's free shipping, which makes sense because it'll, it'll ship flat. You have to put it together. Um, what are Bruce's arguments and complaints? And I do understand what he's talking about. It is just MDF. Um, it is yeah. quarter inch MDF, so or not quarter inch. Um, yeah, quarter inch, not eighth inch. So I mean, it's a thicker, heavier duty MDF, and the sides are the. Some of them look like it's double thickness. There are sections of the world where this product is completely unviable, and I would argue that socks lives in one of them. Yes, because there's certain parts of the year where it's just too humid. And it's yeah. just not going to survive. Or, or, oh, I live in another one of them. Case. Yeah. Um, but like, you would have to have a case for your case at this point. The, the, the other downside of this is an NDF case in this. Like, you're going to have to be careful with how you travel with this because it's not going to be the. Like, there's metal cases out there that you can buy for minis, which, like, you can literally throw because it's it's metal. Uh, Battle foam is more expensive than this. It's the most expensive one on the market. When you very first showed this to me, the, I was looking at the XL and I'm like, this is Battle foam money. Why would you even consider this? Um, and I, I did back down on that eventually because I realized, oh, wait, there's smaller ones. Okay, that's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, the XL I, one, I, I, don't get me yeah. wrong. I, I really, I, did, I, get, I do get this and I'm not hating on this. I'm just making it aware, people aware. MDF is a very fragile material at times. Um, so if you're going to be carrying this around in your car or your boot, you're going to want to pack it carefully so that it's not going to be thrown around. If it's thrown, it won't survive. For the US this listeners, a boot is a trunk. Yes. <laughs> now, I would also argue that you shouldn't be throwing your bags around to begin with. Like, yeah. They will only protect your minis so much. Yeah, um, I mean, for your case where you where you're on a bike, yeah, this is probably not a good choice. No, for you, Bruce. this is not an option for me at all. For for someone like myself, where it's like you know, I go to the store, it's literally just me and my car. This can go sit in the footwell in the passenger seat, where you know it's within arm's reach, kind of thing. Um, yeah. I I think this is a a good price wise, you know, and you know you could probably you know throw sealant on there to help you know moisture proof it from humidity and stuff like that. But I I thought this was like a good attempt in the industry. It's a, of, it's a legitimately new idea too. Yeah. Wait, yeah. To, this to guy has stuff. clearly taken the build your own metal cases idea and just done it with with MDF. Like he he's made a market for himself very very well here. Oh yeah, yeah. So 
here's the here's the thing that surprises me. Um, whenever you're looking at MDF type stuff, one of the easiest things to do is to add personalization. Well, um, easy is not actually the right term to use here because there is actually a lot of work in the back end that needs to go into it. But this guy doesn't seem to have this option at all. And maybe it's because of the work that has to go into it. I don't know. Uh, but it would be a very easy source of extra income to charge 20 or 30 bucks. bucks to add a logo. Yeah, well, a it logo. The problem or- with 10 or 15 bucks, like 10 or 15 bucks is probably more text rather than logos. Um, because if I sent someone our logo, for example, to add to an MDF template, they actually have to recreate it. They can't just use the logo I send them. So the, when it comes to pictures, it's actually a little bit more difficult. But, I mean, he doesn't... Like, there's not even that there. Um, I'd like replacing the Stronghold logo with subtext or having text below the Stronghold logo that says George, Major Socks, or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I, just a section where you could have text on it would be a really... Like, text in particular would be something that would be very, very simple for him to do. But then he could charge extra for it because then he'd have to cut one specifically for that person, and he couldn't just send out because I pulled off the shelf. That's, yeah, that's probably, yeah. yeah. And that, that's the thing, and that's why it's an added extra. But it's an extra source of income. And I mean, if it's going to cost him twenty minutes of time, obviously he adds that into the price. That like this is the whole point. Yeah, you don't you don't lose yourself money. But I don't know. I mean, maybe he's decided not to do it because he decided that it's just too much work, or I, I don't know. I'm just surprised because it is something that is fairly standard in this sort of stuff and very much could be an extra source of income. Yeah. Like I said, I I, I saw this and I I thought this was, you know, an interesting thing to bring up because, you know, there's so many options out there for army transport and 90% of them are all custom foam or pluck foam. And here's the the only thing that I haven't, so that we haven't touched on here, which is sitting here on the website and people will see it. Um, these prices that we are looking at include postage within the US, or at least mm-hmm. I assume it's the... the I, I make the assumption that it's probably the 48 because there's... Uh, t- typically, a, typically a, a lot of the freight companies, you know, they don't honor the same time frame for delivery to Alaska and Hawaii, but it's included in their freight area because they're already traveling there. So, okay. like, they, they won't do a two-day for Hawaii at that price because it's so much further. Like, they have to get to California, then it's another day to get out to Hawaii. They're already going there. They just can't get it there that quickly for that price. And people that live there are usually aware of this. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... But, but the fact that it includes the postage makes this a much better deal than what I thought it did initially. Because I, I acknowledged my error initially of... It's like, that's Battlefine money, I don't... And it, it's not... Well, I mean, it is Battlefine money on the large one, but mm. it's also huge. Um, but also, at the same time, that includes the shipping on the damn thing. And it includes the magnets. And it includes the magnets to put on your minis to attach to the base. True, actually. We didn't cover that, that either. Yeah, that's, so that's another thing. Uh, the other, I actually sent the guy a message, too, and he says, if you want extra trays... Because, like, so the mini, right? I'm, I'm kind of interested in the mini. It's 90 bucks with two trays or 100 bucks with three trays. But if I want a fourth tray, I can order just the fourth tray. Oh, okay. Because so, that's not an option on the website, yeah. Well, he, sa- he said that, you know, um, it's in our email. Let me let me pull up that email real quick. 
Yeah. Um, where's the email? So, yes, extra trays can be ordered upon request due to high volume of orders right now. A good problem to have. He doesn't have it listed on the website. Yeah, that's fair. So, so if you want a fourth tray... Oh, I or... suspect that may be why the personalization's not there as well. Right. So, but I... For the price, and you'll you know, be a one-man shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it, if you read the about, you know, you know, it's him. You know, and he was looking for a better option to transport his stuff. All the stuff in the photos, those are his armies, and he was looking for a better option and decided to make it. And there you go. So, uh, at some point, I would like to, you know, possibly get my hands on maybe the mini one. Yep. You know, it's you know the XL. I don't ever foresee myself needing the XL. That's just that's too, maybe um, maybe you socks if you're taking all of your legion. Uh no, because I I would still need with how big some of my stuff are. Like I said, my my ATST is about nine inches tall. So if if I were to take that along with some of my flyers, I would probably need two or three XLs. Or well, or like good. you said, uh, I just buy the, one XL and then a bunch of trays, extra trays. So yeah, the yeah. XL is uh, 12 inches deep, 14 and a half inches tall on each side. And there's two of those bays. So that's a lot you could put in there. Uh, one of the yeah. things I saw was someone put 10K points of Stormcast Eternals in an XL. Yeah, that's a bit nuts. Right. I mean, who that, has that, 10 Okay, oh, fair. Okay, yeah, that, that, that's going to take up some space. Yeah, you're right, Sauce. And it's on a flight stand. It's a four-inch flight stand, so... <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> and and you've, just, you've built that so that you can't pull it apart, haven't you? Yeah. So Yeah, that but, was your but, first mistake. But in the world of custom foam where, you know, it's designed to hold this and that's it, and yeah. the world of pluck foam where eventually that starts to fall apart, and the world of the metal sheet with a magnet on the bottom of it and it's there and it sticks also why i hate metal models you know th this is pretty nice to find because all the other metal options i found they're really big or really expensive um just just the insert alone for the the battle foam one for the magnetic trays just the insert alone the simple basic insert is 130 bucks just for that tray and it's you know it's set heights yeah. you know yeah this you know it's you, like you can you have... buy you can buy different levels of them but they're in addition it, it comes right. in like a standard pack yeah, yeah. This, this this one you get it and it's like you can move the shelf a quarter inch at a time yeah so um i, I thought it was a great option i thought a couple of them were a great price point the 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 standard and the mini the xl i think the mini is the is the standout here the, the, the mini uh, and i'm not i'm not hating on the other two it's just the mini is the one that really stands out as the value to me mm -hmm. well um, I, said, I, I think the mid one is you go know, because then you can carry some of your bigger stuff and all your infantry too so shall we discuss some hobby uh if i have any dream blue prime paint what have you been up to socks how'd your tournament go uh what two to one in my tournament I uh, lost my last game. Um, the guy that I played, he had three. Loser. F I know. He had <laughs> he had some. He pretty much had a, a army that pretty much was able to control the center of the board, and a lot of the objectives in Legion have to do with something in the center, like a piece of terrain that you're fighting over in the center, or some other terrain pieces or objectives that deal with the center. And so he was able to control the center. So unfortunately, I lost that game, but I have another one this Saturday. Um, so we'll see how that one goes. Um, another tournament. Another tournament. Yeah. That came up quickly. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, the guy that we just interviewed from Luminous Gaming, 
He's running it again at our local store. Um, it's normally on the second Saturday of each month, but last month uh, th- there were some conflicting issues with the store uh, ah, like that. in terms of scheduling. So that's why it was later on in the month than normal. So yeah, it's it's quick. There's a three-week gap in between last tournament and this one, but hopefully my, uh, my new list will be up and running and won't be fully painted because I got so much stuff going on this week that I won't be able to finish painting it, which... Is why I've been working on this guy because I'm taking him. So well, I figured that you had to have been working on him because I know that that, that's a new mini. So yeah, I'm actually bringing two of them. I've got a second one over there that I've put together. I'm not. I got to try and paint, but it's not gonna not gonna be ready because I've got kids have got too much stuff going on right now uh, with extra creature and and stuff like that. Yeah. No. Between but that and your job. between that and your new yard guest, you, you've got yeah, a lot going on. The, the possibly four foot gator that I have in my backyard in the two to the three hundred foot pond that's back there. So yeah, George, what have you been working on? Um, sweating. Well, that's that's not a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really haven't done much except I've been uh I've been more active on reading uh what's going on at Mythic. Yeah, because. Mythic isn't replying to anything really except well I sent you the one you know response of oh yeah we're working on a response to this we should have it out this Friday but probably not guess what they didn't post an ep- uh, update on Friday yeah I I, I sent a message I last think, week I think uh, there's trouble there yeah you know we usually respond to stuff you know in five to ten business days well I've had five business days no response um they've also then, not been doing that for twelve months. Well, so they have they they have a canned response they send out that say, "Hey, we got this. We'll reply to it eventually." Okay. Yep. So, and then the other thing I learned to uh, the Sam, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Apparently, he was a big part of the uh, the Wednesday updates, and that's why updates have kind of fallen to the wayside is because he's no longer with them to help push those uh, weekly or with the Wednesday updates. If Sam is gone, that makes me worry a bit. So, um, I mean, he is he is based in another country because he's from the U.S. Right? Are you familiar with with where Sam came from? No, I'm not. He's from Dice Tower. Okay, as in the oh. giant YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. That that's where he comes from. So, so um, I've I've been doing a yeah. lot of reading, um, trying not to get too frustrated and discouraged. But um, yeah, that's been my hobby. I- I think there's some significant reasons to be worried about Mantic because Mythic, the communi- sorry, my- Mythic, sorry, um, um, communication has not been getting better, and communication is usually the word is usually a sign of really bad things when it starts falling aside. Yeah. So um, there's only one thing that's worse than that, and that's where the communication is blatant lies, which is not what they've been doing yet. Um, <laughs> I don't get the impression that they would, because I don't think I don't know. Now, now, you know, and, and I know this is hard. Usually, those that are advertising, yeah, usually those that are going into the lying territory are ones that feel like they they could get away with it. None of them ever do. Um, our Patreon will know exactly who I'm referring to. <laughs> um, now, now that being said, uh, I did see some because uh, Gen Con is going. Uh, they were set up at Gen Con, and they had a large display of retail Super Fantasy Brawl. So okay, well, Super Fantasy Brawl being at retail is good. That that is what we were promised. 
Yep. So, um, um, I don't know if I ever mentioned this in the 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 last uh, issue that I had with this, where we actually talked about this during Game Talk, Bruce. Uh, this game that I'm waiting for and I backed is not coming to retail. It is a Kickstarter exclusive only game. So that's another reason why. Super Fantasy Brawl was the first of these that they were promising to do at retail, and I I, st- I stand by what I've said in the past. I think Kickstarter exclusive games is a bad mistake. Uh, sometimes it's because it's not actually an exclusive. It's because they know that they will never get retail space because things have to be a certain size to get retail space. Um, big box games don't tend to go very well from a store perspective because they take up too much room. Um, it's the same with the toy industry. That's why you don't get big box toys anymore. Bad Crow Games only went Kickstarter exclusive for Company Heroes is because the box is a good six inches it's, it's yep. really big. And then you have all your expansion packs to go along with it. it yep. You're right. It would be really hard for a game store to put that much stock on a shelf and try and sell it. So yep. uh, that's that's been my hobby is uh, sitting here worrying and reading. Yeah. Um, there's been a bit more of my time that's gone into my secret project. Um, the secret project is not a new game that I brought. It, it's something related to our hobby that's to the side. Our Patreon knows exactly what it is. Our Patreon... And a few of my friends, like it's not just Patreon, but th- yeah, we th- there are, yeah, I, I said friends, um, Patreon have exclusive access to the document that's being worked on. Um, and there've been photos out there that might give hints as to what's going on, but yeah, I've been putting more time into that. I also started building the new Eldar Guardians set because I unboxed that on the channel recently. Part of what I wanted to do is... I wanted to build them, and at the end of the video, actually have a look at how the models looked. And then I dropped one of the legs. When I dropped one of the legs, a hole opened in space and time. Games Workshop came from their offices in the UK, stole the leg, and didn't return it for four days. Because it took me four days, on my hands and knees, while I was sick with COVID, to find the leg. In the end, it was in one of my shoes. Do, do you know why you're on your hands and knees, Bruce? Is it where I, I don't know. Is it where I belong? Because you only had one leg to stand on. Sure. That was pretty desperate, that one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I still haven't finished building those Guardians. It, like, the leg did, like... Obviously, my comments about the black hole and stuff are facetious. Like, I, I dropped thing. I dropped it, and I watched what went, and it, just, it was just gone. And because I was homesick, I wasn't wearing my shoes because I was homesick. Uh, I had no reason to put them on, so I didn't... Like, it, it somehow bounced into the shoe, and it didn't get dropped from a very large height. I was sitting down at the time. So, that's really weird. Oh, I did something else. I actually was at my hobby bench this uh, last week, and I did something, and I discovered something terrible. Yeah? And this will not shock you at all. Your the expression on your face will not change one bit, Bruce. Okay. Of the six Games Workshop paint pots I opened up, only one was still viable. Yeah, that that, that checks. <laughs> that checks. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been a, a frustrating couple of weeks for me. Let's just say that. Look, as Did much you- as this, I was home and like, yeah, but no, I didn't really get any hobby done because I was just suffering pretty much. Did you, did you lose your sense of taste? Yes. I still kind of feel like it's... I had an egg and bacon roll yesterday and really, like, it just tasted so bland. So I think my taste is actually still coming and going. Yeah. Because I, I am I am out. like, And my taste has been back for a while. 
but that just like there was no taste. I didn't finish it, and it was an egg and bacon roll. I, I, I know from this a is cafe that I'm a big fan of. I know this is all all completely unrelated. I, have you ever ha- have you had Cody Bell yet? Socks or no? I think I have, just m- very mildly, and I haven't lost either one of them. So Be- because I'm sure that's common. When I had it, and I lost a, my sense of taste, like that was like a standard chicken nugget. You know, mechanically separated, repacked, covered in breading, just cheap chicken nuggets. Like who doesn't love those, right? Yeah, right. Any kid in the world, right? Exactly, and. It was the easiest thing for me to eat because I also had a bad case of nausea with that too. So it's like I could eat a nugget, wait 10 minutes, eat a nugget, wait. And it just felt like this meat paste with sauce scraping across my tongue that had no flavor to it. And it was like the weirdest thing in my life. My taste seemed to come and go a bit. It wasn't permanent like that. It just it kind of came and went as the as the week unfolded. So, um, for those of you who haven't had COVID, if you know that's what you have to possibly look forward to. For those who have had it and have lost their sense of taste, you feel me on that. <laughs> I, I will take a political stance that shouldn't be a political stance. Get yourself vaccinated. It would have been a lot worse for both of us if we hadn't have. Like I, I have seen it physically with my own eyes. So, not um... nice. Unless, of course, you're allergic, which is a different conversation. Right. Um, are we still going to do the, the game talk, or do we want to do something else that's maybe less time-consuming? Well, we've only got one ship to cover, but we- it is an in-depth ship. All right, well, let's just go ahead and get into it right now. Uh, which button is that? It's this one. Talk nerdy to me. All right. So talk back nerdy to me, Bruce. Fleet, back into Drop Fleet Commander this week, we are covering the Resistance Light Cruiser. So, why is there only one of them? George, why is there only one of them? Uh, because it's the Resisty, and it's a modular ship. You get to yes. pick the weapons. You get to pick the pick, weapons. Pick your own adventure. Yep. Quite literally. Oh, I remember those books. Remember those books? That's from a long time ago. Do <laughs> you even know what you're talking about? Yeah, I used to have one that was about a mummy. Okay. That was chasing you through the museum and the streets, and then it turned up in your bedroom somehow. Anyway, okay, so the Resistance Light Cruiser... Its base form will cost you 60 points. It's got three hard points and a minimum of three. So you have to use all three. It's got a four-inch scan, a four-inch signature. It's got a nine-inch thrust. You've got a hull of eight. Armor is five plus. Point defense of two. Comes in groups of two to three. Medium tonnage. And its special is subsystem network, which we have covered before. Um... It also comes with NC-3 missiles, which is your close action weapon. Uh, lock of 4+, plus, two attacks, one damage each, front, side, and rear, because, well, it's close action. So, you get three hard points. You've got structures that you can add, broadsides that you can add, and turrets that you can add. Um, in the structures, you have a scanning array, which will increase your scan by 10 inches for 10 points. There's ablative armor. Four inches. Sorry? It's a four Isn't inch. Isn't that what I said? You said ten. Yeah, four inches for ten points. I thought you said ten inches. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, ablative armor gains the ablative armor special rule for 12 points. Again, we've covered this before. The ablative armor is the one where uh, it increases your... Uh, it makes your armor better for a certain amount of time until you take a certain amount of damage from memory. Yeah, once you become crippled, your armor goes down by two, maybe one or two. That's it, yeah. Uh, Drive refit, it increases your signature and your thrust by two inches for 10 points. So you're not going to be able to take all of those. You would only be able to take one of those. 
but you need to take a minimum of two broadsides, which means... It's a PHR it limit, ship. It, li- it means that it limits your option a little bit. So there is N31 hybrid gun banks for five points, N8 artillery banks for five points, You've got NC-16 missile banks for 18 points. Sorry, for 8 points. You've got fighters and bombers for 10 points. Bulk lander and fire ships for 10 points. And then in your turrets, you have XN-31 mass drivers for 5. N-11 artillery cannons for 5. Bombardment mortars for 5. Or vent cannon turrets for 8. So, this is where we are going to have to add things. So, your, N, your N31 hybrid gun banks. If we add those, they've got a 4 plus lock. You get 3 attacks at 1 damage each. You will notice when you add them that it gives you 1 on the left and 1 on the right because it's a broadside, therefore they are linked. You will find it's the same with the artillery bank. That's a 5 plus though, but you get 5 attacks at 1 point. Um, and now I can't seem to find out how to remove things. Down at the bottom. I, I had to figure it out. Down where it says... Uh... Oh, yep. Um, so, NC-16, 3+, plus, D3+, plus 2 attacks, 1 damage, still linked. And then no, fighters and bombers are a little bit more obvious because it's fighters and bombers. Personally, I like the N-16 missile bank, personally. It's the one that I would probably go for at your 8 points. It is slightly more. But I, you've got a minimum of... Three attacks, a maximum of five. Like it's it's a fairly decent amount of attacks. It's only three plus. It makes it a lot easier to hit things with. Uh, I just think you can get more out of them personally. Uh, and then otherwise, I would either be increasing the structures or the turrets accordingly. I'm still trying to pull it up because for some reason it will not load in my browser. Oh, awesome! I know. Unusual. So I'm using my. Uh... Uh, beta testing Firefox. Because it won't open in Google Chrome. Mm. Uh, XN31 mass drivers are the 2 plus, 1 attack, 1 damage. Uh, they, they're the ones with the fuselage. They are usually quite effective. It is only 1 attack though, but it's a 2 plus, so it means that you're getting more out of it. Uh, the N11s are a 4 plus. You get 3 attacks at 1 each. Low power. Um, so it means that you could use multiple of those without having to go weapons free. That's probably what I would add to my missile banks because then I can actually get more shots off without actually having to risk being easier to be seen. Um, I I think that might be a nice combination to go with. It does, it means that you'd have some attacks. So if I go down here, remove everything. If I add my missile bank, because I really like my missile bank, and then I add my... N11 artillery cannon, because I really like those. And I'll add two missile banks just because, well, I have to have a minimum of two things. So the maximum of two broadsides. Oh, maximum. Ah, that's even better. Okay, never mind. So. But you're still looking at 81 points if you were to take two broadsides of missiles with that turret. You're looking at 81 points apiece, which isn't bad for two cruisers, two light cruisers. Yeah. So I've just built one now. Um, I have added the scanner array, which means it's easier for me to see my enemy so I can shoot at them. I've added a missile bank, uh, which is the three pluses, the D plus twos, because I like those, and the artillery cannons, because they're low power, which means that I can use them at the same time without having to go weapons free. 
And in total, okay, she's still had something else. So I'm going to add another artillery cannon. No, it's playing up. It's doing something weird. Why are you allowing me to add things endlessly? Okay, it's currently playing up. Never mind. Oh, no, no it no, does tell me off. You can. It tells me off at the top. Yeah, it, it tells you that you can't have any more. Because if you go down to this, if you scroll down to the bottom where it, t where it shows you can remove stuff, if you add more than your maximum, it won't let you add the actual ship anymore. That little button to add the ship goes away. So, yeah, there we go. That's how they work. Well, I, I really like these. That like They, they work really well. Um, you, you can customize your fleet to play the way that you want it to play. It's just as simple as that. Uh, just because that's the one that I like, it doesn't mean that that's the one that you will like. I mean, there's no real bad weapon options. It's just there are some that are going to be easy to... to I, I'm definitely going to be going so I don't have to roll fours and fives because Lord knows I'm never going to hit them. Well, so... And I'm going to argue that this is the best light cruiser in the game because... Well, I just added make... two of them for 166 points with all of that. Yeah. Like, that's and, just and, nuts. Well, here's my reason why it's the best light cruiser in the game, regardless. Okay, here's why. What does your fleet need? It needs whatever you can add on to it on those three hard points. Yep. So, I mean, if you need uh, 30 shots, you know, that you don't care if they're hitting on fours or fives, you can do that. If you need something that's going to punch a hole, you can do that. I mean, this is... This is probably one of the coolest models in a game, any game, period. I mean, sure, you've got your Games Workshop tanks where, you know, this can be this gun or this gun, this or this gun. I mean, it's really close to that, but you have typically two options for two, maybe three points. Yeah. What we, what we got here, you know, we've got three options on one point, uh, five options on another, four on another. I mean, that is... That is a lot of custom ability. Yeah. So yeah. go ahead. It's not, just, it's not just on the light cruiser. It's on the entire resistance faction. I mean, it's a pick and choose of whatever you want, kind of a seat your, your play style. And, and then you're able to fill fill in the void, like you said, with any other ship out there. I mean, you've got a mm. 160 points left over. All right. I'm going to put together a couple of light cruisers and go with it. Yep. Yeah. Um, the resistance is a play style that could be very, very powerful if you build it the right way. But don't go into the resistance expecting that you're just going to floor everyone because it's kind of like, yes, you can do a lot of things, but it doesn't really master anything either. Uh, there is definitely a different type of challenge there, which will be a good thing for some people, not for others. Um, but yeah. Upcoming events. Tournaments, demos, conventions, you know, that kind of stuff. First question, Socks, when's your next Legion tournament? After this week, carrying one. A week from today. A week from today? A week from Do today. Do you know the date for the next one yet? Uh, I'm planning on doing one in September just because I think between this one and, and last month's being three weeks away, three weeks in between, I think he's kind of needing a break. So I may try and do a Armada, Armada tournament um, yeah. that Saturday if I, if I can get stuff thrown together. Um, if not, it'll be in October. So Okay, fair enough. Watch this space then. Um, okay, PAX West, September 2nd till 5th, PAX Australia, I will be there, October 7th till 9th, PAX Unplugged, um, oh, so on the PAX Australia, the three-day passes are sold out, Saturday's passes are 50% sold, no, 60% sold out at this stage, so Saturday being the biggest of the three days, if you want to go on Saturday, you probably want to start looking at those tickets now, or it'll be too late. Uh, PAX Unplugged is December 2nd till 4th. Um, otherwise, 
Thank you very much to those that support us. Uh, if you enjoy our content, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash getting tabled. Uh, you get early access to almost everything that we do. Uh, you get early access to my secret project, uh, which is slowly coming together, actually. Um, should be testable within a few months, hopefully. I'm actually surprised at how close a lot of it came together. Um, it's it's still got a lot of work that needs to be done, but it's almost to the point where I might actually be able to put things on a table. So that's exciting. Uh, if you want to follow us, follow us at facebook.com slash getting tabled. It's the first place most stuff gets shared. We're also on Twitter at getting tabled, Instagram at getting tabled. We have a website, which is getting tabled.weebly.com. We have a YouTube subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash getting tabled. Uh, we've been growing like slowly. We're getting there. We're, we're mm-hmm. very happy to be getting some of those numbers out. We are releasing videos two times a week. Uh, it's usually Monday and tu- Monday and Thursday, but not always. I'm actually considering changing it to Tuesday and Thursday, um, just to try and spread out that week a little more. Uh, and then every second week we have our video episode that'll go out next week. And otherwise, if you'd like to reach out to the team gettingtabled at gmail.com and if you're on Twitch, check me out on Mondays and Thursdays, 7pm local time, twitch.tv slash Jason the Bruce Thank you Thank you Thank you Thank you Thank you Thank you For listening to Getting Table Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org